Father, thank you for sending your divine Son, our Savior, in the fullness of time to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, that he might redeem all who are under the law. Many of us, we are the redeemed of the Lord, and we come to you with grateful hearts and pray that your word may make its mark in our lives today. We present ourselves to you as living sacrifices and pray that you would shape us, mold us according to your purposes and your plan. Have your way with us, Lord. Give us humble and submissive hearts. Grant us hearts that are soft to receive your word. May it go in deeply and bear much fruit. And, and may some who are with us today or maybe who hear this message elsewhere, may they be turned to the Lord Jesus. May they believe on him and call upon his saving name and find the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life through him. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So I just happened to be slowly, now and, now and then, reading through this book. Um, it's uh, sayings of or write, it's letters of the ancient Greek guy Seneca. Heard of him? Heard of Seneca? So I'm reading through his thing. He was born a little B.C. and died a little A.D. And came across one yesterday when I just happened to be dipping in reading some of that because it's good stuff. And he was talking to the guy listening to him, the guy to whom he's writing, and he says that a, a life spent doing philosophy is a life lived well. And I thought, all right, I can beat that. <laughs> and here it is, a life spent listening to God's word, receiving God's word, accepting it as it is, the word of God. That's a life lived well. So we are very blessed to have God's word to us today, and we are looking specifically about this portion, one of the birth narratives, the one found in Matthew's gospel, and we're going to just dive right in at verse 18, the first verse that we read a moment ago, so let's put that verse up and we'll talk about what's in it. Let me read it again for you. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, excuse me, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So this is, as it says, about the birth of Jesus Christ. How did it happen? Well, it took place in this way. This is so we can know how our Savior got here. So we, so we can know about his incarnation, so we can understand what things transpired. And we're told here that it would be the birth of Jesus Christ. Both of those words are very important. The word Jesus, as you probably know, in the original Greek means Savior. His name meant Savior. It was a common name in those days. Lots of people got that, that name, just as we meet Hispanic friends, and what's your name? Jesus. All right, so the name is still around, but it means, it simply means Savior. So his name was to imply the thing he came to do. It was to imply his, his whole purpose and his whole role. Remember, he said, I have, not, I have come, rather, to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord Jesus, why did you come incarnate in human flesh? To save 
to save people. So his name indicates who he is. His name indicates his mission. His name identifies what he does. But he's also Jesus the Christ. And that, as you probably know, is the Greek word for Messiah. So he is the Savior and Messiah, the one promised of old by the Old Testament prophets, the one foretold, the one typified by so many things in the Old Testament, and he was that one. Remember later in the accounts, the Jews say to him, are you the Messiah? And he says to them in his somewhat enigmatic answer that he often uses, you've said it. You have said, which was his way of saying, yes, but it came out of your mouths. Yeah, he was the Messiah. So Matthew is giving us an account of the birth of the Savior, Messiah, the promised deliverer. And here's how it happened. It took place in this way. And the first person we run into in the account is his mother, Mary. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Wow. Those are amazing words. Something, I want to say unusual, but that's not a big enough term. Something entirely unique in human experience and human history is happening here. His mother Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So let's pause and think about Mary in that role for a moment. Well, first, let's just think about her in this way. What, what a blessed woman. I'm not making her into Roman Catholic, Mary. But, but what a blessed, blessed woman. Any woman blessed with a child is blessed. But to be the one out of how many billion women have there ever been in all of human history, to to be the one chosen to give birth to the Messiah, to Jesus the Deliverer. Ladies, imagine if that was you. Imagine if an angel told you, you know that Messiah, all the Old Testament? You, it's coming through you. You want a glimpse into Mary's character? It's just so good. I'm going to jump over to Luke 1 for a moment. It's not up there. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Well, the Lord chose the right one, didn't he? What a great response to an absolute intrusion into her life. And she doesn't respond and say, no, I don't want a virgin conception. No, I don't want to be the mother of the Messiah. I don't want to bear baby Jesus. Can't you pick some other woman? No, Mary's life was not all about what she wanted. Mary's life was all about what does God want. I'm entirely, completely submissive to him, his purpose, his will, his plans for my life. I submit Mary's a great example of that. She's not co-redemptrix. She's not co-mediatrix. She doesn't redeem us and mediate for us along with the Lord Jesus. She's just a human. She's just Jesus' mother. But that's a big just. 
Lord, whatever you ordain for my life, whatever you want to visit me with, I bow. I accept it from your hand, your providence. So let's be like Mary, amen? Ladies and gentlemen, let's be like Mary. Let's live that way. When the word of the Lord comes to us, we say, speak, Lord, I'm your servant, I hear. There's never any question about, will I believe it? There's never any question about, will I obey it? That's already been settled. It's just, what does it say? And as soon as I hear it, I believe it because it's God's word. Here's another thing to note about this part. Um, His mother, Mary, Jesus had a mother. God in the flesh came through a mother. And he came as a human. Humans are created in his image. And the one after whom we are, after whose image we are created, took on our flesh. It's like he imaged himself. Gets a little convoluted there thinking about that. But it's interesting in this regard, Jesus Christ could have just appeared, fully grown, God a man. There he is. He appears one day. But instead, he came through the normal route. He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. He gestated for nine months. He went down through the birth canal like every one of us did. Well, some of you had a C-section. Your mom had a C-section. All right. He was a baby. He was an infant. He was in a manger. He was fed milk. He grew in wisdom and knowledge and understanding and stature. But he, he came through the normal route. Jesus had a mother and Jesus had a father. Imagine, by the way, imagine being Jesus' mother. Because he's always right. He's never wrong. He always outreasons you. He's respectful. He's submissive. But he's always right. That would be quite a job. He's probably brilliant in his humanity. Imagine having that son. Imagine you have that son and you go to the temple one year and he's lost and you're frantic. And when you finally find him, he says to you, did you not know I must be about my father's business? Mary had that to work with. And then at the wedding of Cana, Mary had her son, and she said to him, uh, hey, they're out of wine. Do do something. Like she kind of knew he has unusual abilities. Do something. And he says to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? Ooh. And then there was that time when he was ministering in a house, and they they came into the house and said, Lord, your, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. And he says, Who is my mother and who are my brothers but those who accept the will of God? So strange son to bear, strange son to raise. But when God became incarnate, he had a mother. Thus, I think, how do I want to put this? Beautifying, absolutely legitimizing the wonder of a woman having a child. Those may be hard words for some who wish to have a child and God in his providence has not allowed. I understand that. But we are talking about baby Jesus and he came through a womb. Then we read furthermore, 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Before they came together. So here's what you need to know. In first century Israel, you got engaged, and the engagement was legally binding. Like, to break that, you had to get a divorce. So you didn't get out of engagement without a divorce. Engagement was serious. You were absolutely committed now to become husband and wife. And during your engagement, however, you were not to come together. I like the way the Bible is euphemistic about describing some human things. Before they came together, doesn't mean they never met, doesn't mean they didn't have dinner together, it means that other thing, you know. During their engagement, they were not to come together. There's a good word for us in our day. This thing about try it before you buy it, not godly, not from the Lord. By the way, here's an interesting story I bumped into something I was reading about a month or two ago, and I thought I'll fit it in right here. So born into the Spanish nobility, a lady named Eugenie, raised in Spain and in Paris and educated for a time in Britain, and when the newly elected president of France, Prince Louis Napoleon Bonaparte, when he met her at some castle for the first time, he said to her, um, ma'am, what is the way to your bedchamber tonight? And she answered him, through the chapel, sire. That's pretty good. So Jesus and Mary were headed there, but it was going to be through the chapel, through the chapel first. But to read on about Mary, when she was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the thunderous part of these verses. That's the heavy. That's, that's the part that stands out. She was found to be with child. Now, plenty of women have been surprised that they're pregnant. Plenty of women have been found to be with child. I'll confess to you publicly, I think my wife is in the room, that our first baby was a complete and total surprise to us. He was born when we were 22. We got married when we were 20. He was born when we were 22. Somewhat to where in that same year when he was born when we were 22, we conceived a second one, and that was a complete surprise to us. She was actually jogging, trying to lose weight. And it wasn't losing, it was getting bigger, that weight. And then we figured out, hmm, maybe something's happened here. And she was found to be with child number two. He was born 13 months after child number one. Both of them, I think they call them now oopsie babies, right? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. She was, they were surprises. We love them dearly. Plenty of women have been surprised. But here, she was found to be with child. Here's the unusual nature of her surprise. She had not known a man. This, this child was from the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's pretty incredible. It was from the Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to come back to that. But let's, let's turn now to her husband. Verse 19, next verse. And her husband, Joseph, now we're turning to him. Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph, here again, 
God chose Mary, and now God chose Joseph, exercising divine sovereignty and divine prerogative. He is the potter. We are the clay. He chose out of all humanity, Joseph, you'll be the father of my divine son, the God-man, Jesus Christ. It will be given to you to love and provide and protect him and to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Joseph, imagine, guys, if God reveals to you, um, you're going to be a father and the child is the divine, is the God-man, Jesus Christ. How would you feel about that? Like, Lord, I think you got the wrong guy here. Isn't there some better character you can pick than me? But God can do with us as he wishes. And Joseph, Joseph, he found out. He found out. We guess she told him. We don't know how much of the angel's message, how much of the annunciation she revealed to him. But it says, Joseph, being a just man, I think that has two meanings. It says in the text elsewhere of Mary that she has found favor with the Lord. What does that mean? Joseph is a just man. What does that mean? I think both of them mean they were saved. And they had fruits of being saved. So Joseph, just staying with him here, being a just man, doesn't mean Joseph in the flesh as a fallen human individual was a rare specimen who always kept God's law. He was just by the law. It doesn't mean that at all. It means, on the one hand, he was a believer in God, the God of Israel, in the God of the Old Testament scriptures, in the God who would send the Messiah. And so he was justified by grace through faith in the coming of that Messiah. He was justified, same as Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. But I think it also means that bore fruit in his life, and consequently, the way he treated people. He wanted to treat people justly. He wanted to treat people fairly. He wanted to treat people rightly. He wanted to measure things and interactions with a just balance and an even scale. And so being a just man, he had a heart for God. And being a just man, wanting to treat other people rightly, he was unwilling to put her to shame. Man, could he have ever put her to shame. He, he could have like been angry and hurt and disillusioned and nasty. He could have destroyed her life. Any future prospects she might have, he thought she'd had a fling. He thought she'd cheated on him. Imagine, like nothing he'd ever seen in her would have made him think, this woman might cheat on me someday. Everything he'd ever seen in her made him think, this is a good woman. She has a heart for God. I'm going to marry her. It must have been such a confusing time. But also being a just man, he couldn't now marry her. Humanly speaking, unless God had stepped in and said, go ahead, he couldn't marry her. This woman, during our betrothal, has broken the terms. I have to divorce her. But he didn't want to make it some big, big public deal, so he resolved to divorce her quietly. What a great model in how to treat people 
who have disillusioned you, people who have harmed you, people who have mistreated you, rather than getting all angry and all mad and all nasty and like, I'm going to get you. No, 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 no. He was just and he didn't want to put her to shame. That tells us a lot about Joseph's metal, about his character. And then this, Matthew 120. But as he considered these things, and man, I bet he was considering these things. I don't know about any of you. I'm obsessive. I have an obsessive makeup, an obsessive personality. When there's something going wrong, it's the only thing I can think about. And I can think about it all night long and wake up 10 times thinking about it. Do I have any comrades in the room? Anybody else like? Yes. I don't know whether Joseph was obsessive, but he was considering these things. Hmm, what happened? What's really going on here? What do I do? And as he was considering these things, behold. Now, often in the Bible, when an angel appears, you get those words, behold. Like, look at this. Check this out. Notice this part. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now we get back to that part about it's from the Holy Spirit. This part starts with the word but, and that's got to be another one of those great occasions of the word but in the Bible. Like in Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with, with which he loved us while we were yet sinners, sent Christ to die for us. And here's one of these great uses of the word, but. I almost said one of the great buts in the Bible, but that wouldn't sound good. All right. It's one of the great uses of the word, but. Like, but, it's like in the nick of time. But, at the right time, but, right when Joseph needed to hear about this, the angel appeared to him, and the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Now, again and again and again in the Bible, when angels appear to people, and they don't appear to most people, they seldom appear to anybody, but at strategic moments in the history of redemption, they appear as messengers of God, as ministers to those who are inheriting salvation, and they come and minister God's truth and God's word and God's comfort to his people at strategic times. So don't you expect an angel ought to be appearing to you. If one does, by the way, please call me and tell me. (laughs) But this angel appeared to him and said, do not fear. Now, usually that means do not fear because you're seeing an angel, because people always do. But in this case, it's not that. It's do not fear to take Mary as your wife. I bet that got Joseph's attention. What? I've been considering and considering, and I'm so heartbroken, and I'm thinking I need to let her down easy, and I don't want to embarrass her publicly any more than she's already going to be embarrassed. But what? Don't fear to take her as my wife? Why? Here's why. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. So we believe in angels, right? 
the great being who made the heavens and the earth and us and all things, is it, is it any hard thing for him to make some other kind of being, angels? Be kind of surprising if he hadn't great God like him. Don't expect to see an angel during your earthly life. One day you will see all angels forever if you're in Christ. That'd be pretty wild. You'll spend eternity with the redeemed of all ages, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all the holy angels. That's going to be pretty wild. So we believe in angels, and an angel appeared to Joseph in, in this dream. Don't fear to take her. So now, Joseph gets an explanation about why she's pregnant. That which is in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit. Another account sheds further light on this. It's from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1. We'll put it up, verses 30 to 33. Here's how Luke recites this or reports this. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Not because she was a perfect person, but because of the mercy and grace of God saving her, choosing her to be redeemed. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. What a promise! Your son's got to be all that. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Quite an announcement, that. But then more about the Holy Spirit part, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how? Like, you're an angel. You don't understand how this works. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. And here, Dr. Luke uses the standard Greek term for virgin. Note that. That'll be important in a few moments here. I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. No other child like him. Set apart. The Son of God. So here we get the promise of the virgin birth. Let's go back to Matthew 1. Next slide, please. And look at verses 21 to 23. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is Isaiah chapter 7. Quote, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here we get virgin, virgin, virgin. She had not known a man before they had come together, but she's told that which is conceived in you will be of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of God will come upon you. And so we have a very clear teaching in the Bible that Jesus Christ was virgin born. Why? Probably many reasons, but one of them might have been, um, do you wanna mark out that this is no ordinary human being? Well, that's a pretty good way. But Jesus was virgin born. We affirm that. We believe that. Now, here's something I want you to know about that. 
The virgin birth has made its way onto most people's lists of the fundamentals of the faith, the, the core doctrines of the Christian faith. So what are the core doctrines? And you would rattle off your answer and it would be something like this. I probably missed something. Don't take that to mean I don't believe it. All right, I'm just forgetting on, on my feet here. But uh, it would be, you know, we believe in the Trinity, the deity of Christ. Very often next comes the virgin birth. Substitutionary atonement, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, a literal bodily visible second coming, a judgment day, eternity in heaven and in hell. And that might be like the short list of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And, and the virgin birth is usually on that list. How did it get on that list? I want you to understand. Here's why that made the list. So, Back in the 1800s in Europe and then a little later, we're always later, in America, and on into the early 1900s in Europe and then on into America, there was a great battle. There was a great controversy. In the 1920s in America, it came to be called the fundamentalist modernist controversy. So what were the modernists saying? They came primarily out of Germany, and they were shredding the Bible. They were ripping the Bible to pieces. But those were the greatest scholarly institutions to send your young trainees for the ministry to. So your most promising guys, you sent them over there to Munich and wherever else, and they would train under people who were, at that time, shredding the Bible. They had theories about Moses didn't really write the Pentateuch and you know, so on and so forth. And so what they were also doing is they were denying the miraculous in God's word. And so you sent your best guy over there and he came back home a heretic and he got in your pulpit and ruined your church. And all the old mainline denominations went theologically south at about the time of 1920. Even the great seminaries, Princeton Seminary, went south at that time, and the believing professors had to leave and start Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, and they did. And one of the old standards, Union Theological Seminary in, in Richmond, Virginia, went theologically south, and the real believers had to withdraw. By the way, a year or two ago, I saw that in chapel, at Union Seminary in Richmond, they had a ceremony where they were repenting to plants. Yeah, like they bought a whole bunch of plants in the room and they were kneeling before the plants and confessing their sins to the plants, to the earth, to how we've treated the earth. That's all. The, once you lose the Bible, once you lose the gospel, once you lose the word of God, all you have left is plants, matter, stuff, social issues. So what happened? These theological genius heretics, largely in Germany, had such an influence that all the mainline denominations went down. And one of their things was, we don't believe in the virgin birth. And they went back to Matthew's, I'm sorry, they went back to Isaiah chapter 7, where it says a young woman shall conceive. And Matthew quotes from Isaiah 7. Now, in Isaiah 7, there's a different word. It's not the actual word in Hebrew for virgin, which would be the word Bethula. It's rather a different word. It's the word Alma. And Alma really means a young maiden. It's not specific virgin. So what they argue, if you're following me, is they say, Matthew 
got Isaiah wrong. So Matthew's basing the virgin birth on his understanding of Isaiah, but he got Isaiah wrong. Isaiah didn't really promise a virgin. He just promised a young maiden. So there were great scholars who crossed swords over this, and one of the best to emerge on our side, if you will, was the scholar E.J. Young. I've got his three-volume set on Isaiah. I took down volume one. I reread the part on chapter seven this week to refresh my memory on all this stuff. And he argued that, oh yeah, absolutely. The word Isaiah used, Alma, does not specifically mean a virgin, but here's what it meant, and everybody knew it, and he proves his case. It meant a young maiden, and it's assumed of every young maiden, probably rightly in those days, she has not known a man. So Matthew rightly understands, here's what Isaiah was getting at, here's how it's really fulfilled. It's fulfilled in the word virgin. At any rate, we understand Matthew to be writing by inspiration of the word of God, and when Matthew tells us she was a virgin, she was a virgin. So, If you believe in the virgin birth, here's why it became a test case. Then you will likely believe in all the other miracles in the word of God. You'll believe in creation. You'll believe in the flood. You'll believe in Jonah. By the way, Jesus did. He believed they were historical events. He believed them as written in the word of God, and so should we. So let's stand on the virgin birth, all right? as it stands for all the miraculous things in the word of God, let's take our stand with those who believe in the virgin birth conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now verse 24, and we're almost done. When Joseph woke from sleep, oh, this is good. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took His wife, let's pause there. We'll come to verse 25 in a moment. He did. So he and Mary, what a pair. She says, you want to make this massive intrusion into my life? And what will people think of me? Because they're not all going to believe. It was from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Joseph. It wasn't somebody else. Yet she says, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She's completely submissive to the word and the will of God. Look at Joseph. He awoke, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He was also one who was completely submissive to the will of God and the word of God and the plan of God for his life. And he took his wife. He married that girl. I don't know if you all know, but that young man right there is getting married this afternoon. (laughs) Three o'clock? Three o'clock, yeah, brother. And he's here in church. Yeah. We're not surprised she's not here. She probably has a little getting ready to do, huh? (laughs) But here's what happened then, verse 25. He took her as his wife, but then this is more, far as we know, Maybe more was revealed to him that we haven't heard, but it seems like he's doing more than what he was really asked to do, because this is added, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So that's like maybe nine months. He said, hmm, that baby in there is holy. I'm not going near. I can wait. No big thing. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and as commanded, there are several parents in the Bible who did not have to select their child's name. 
And he didn't have to. He named, he called his name Jesus. Greatest name in all of human history. So many other names for Jesus in the Bible, the Lamb and so on. But the name of Jesus. So this is how Jesus was born. This is the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Brothers and sisters, hold fast to your Savior, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Proclaim him this Christmas season. Let's bow and pray together. Father, thank you for this time in your holy word. We pray that in this Christmas season, the name of Jesus will be proclaimed and proclaimed and made known all over this needy planet. We pray that by your word and your spirit, you will bring in multitudes to bow the knee and confess him as Lord. Father, we affirm together in your holy presence, we believe, we believe what your word teaches on these things. And we stand on the teachings of your word. Help us not to waver. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be strong. Help us to be found in Christ at the last day. By your grace, we pray. We ask for all in Jesus' name. Amen.